Welcome back to Be Significant, everybody. We're excited you're back. We're excited for our, our great guest today, Nikki Monson, and we'll get to we'll get to Nikki here in a, a little bit. But um, Beth, how how's the week been? How was your weekend? Good. I actually, excuse me, I actually went to go visit some friends in Palm Springs. So I'm getting ready to start a new role on Monday and with another organization. And so I just did a quick respite of going out, getting some sun, relaxing and good food, good, good friends. And so I just flew back in last night and getting organized now. So it was I've great. only been to Palm Springs once and it was about 150 degrees. How was the weather? It was, it was actually perfect because it's starting to cool off. So I think high of 90, low in 60s. So nice. got cool at night. Yeah. You, you know, I, I I wanted to talk to you about this because uh, it's it's been fresh in my mind. I've got two kids and it, it goes back to the nurture nature conversation. And and I and it's it's funny, you know, my wife and I, Karen and I talk about this. And, and I think we've got to have another big conversation about it at some point, because I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. We've got our kids, our youngest is so sensitive, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that anytime, like if I go a couple miles over the speed limit, you're going, dad, you're going kind of fast here, buddy. Very you safe. Yeah. You know, and it's, if, if my phone rings, uh, you know, when I'm driving and I'll just look to see who's calling or, you know, just it's dad, put your phone down, you know, and it's, he's like that at school too. He's, you know, whatever the teachers say, this is how it has to be. There's no, there's no flexibility. And then I got an older daughter who's just, she's kind of the opposite. I you love know? So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, how much of that is nurture nature? How much of that do we, is, is kids being following the, the law of the land or learning how to kind of challenge the status quo. And, 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 it, and I bring it up because we had, we're, we're about to publish a great conversation and let people listen to what we talked about with Ms. Monson here in a bit. And it got me thinking about her and, and my kids on what do we do when the world says this is how things work, but our brain says, well, I think there's a better way. Yeah. How do you see that as somebody who's a HR specialist and a leader in the world? Well, <laughs> I actually am a huge proponent. I believe nurture trumps most of nature. Mm -hmm. um, I do think we're naturally built and we're all unique. And so we all have unique strengths, but if not fostered, can be suppressed. Um, and if fostered can go out of control or can be honed properly. Um, I just, there's so many stories and the reason why I think it, it's probably my life's, I don't say my life's work, but I love coaching. I love learning about people. I like seeing how they tick. And most of the stories that I find out it's because of an incident or an experience or a person, right? You hear of this person believed in me, this person challenged me, this person helped said, set some goals, or why are you behaving like this? Or why are you afraid to do this? Or, right. and to me, that's nurture, right? So it's, you have your natural makeup of the things that you would be great at. As an example, if somebody nurtured me to be a ballet dancer, <laughs> right. I mean, my nature probably would 
refute, you know, like it would say, no, thanks for coming out Chicago. But, um, so, you know, you do have things that you're naturally more, you have stronger tendencies or abilities to do get that, but then they need to be honed. And that's really where you can either be, you can just be unleashed, um, and challenged and stretched, um, as well as you can be held back. Right. So, um, but you do have to work because everybody like, again, the nature part, introversion, extroversion, the nature part of more cautious or completely risk adverse, right. you know, or, or takes, takes risks. Sorry. Um, and, you know, and then you evolve over time. Like I was a kid and I was, I never knew boundaries. <laughs> I would push every, I think by the time I was in fifth grade, I probably broke most bones in my body and had stitches and. Yeah. You know, somebody said, well, you shan't, can't do that. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Now game on, you know, yeah. the, they said can't, that was like, oh, testing me, you know, and then eventually I matured or at least learned why they're saying that danger, Will Robinson, or, um, you know, where I just learned to be a little bit more thoughtful of, you know, the surroundings or what I'm doing or the consequences that my actions had on me or others. And so that's the maturity. Thankfully I've, <laughs> gained over the years but i i do think you just have to figure out how how people tick how kids tick and then stretch them right because i i mean my brother the shyest thing ever and then he went to west point so he's not shy really anymore i'm sure he probably still charges up being alone but he's able to have conversations with a variety of people as needed and that was you know he he had to be stretched to get that way and basically other than my mom and me were the were the extroverts and everyone else in my family was the introverts. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. What do you guys think about it? Where you come in at the debate? Well, it's, it's, I'm constantly thinking about it because I got the two kids and they're both pretty bipolar from each other. And then I've got a basketball team where I'm constantly asking myself, okay, how much structure do I give them without taking away their creativity, without taking their individuality away? Because I want that. I want them to be able to read and react and think and be loose and be free on the court. You know, and and then I'm I'm coaching clients now. And I've got kids and parents where I'm saying, hey, there's things that you don't need to worry about. And then there's there's some structure that you can have in this process that we're going through. But I also want these 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids to understand, listen, the things I'm giving you, don't be afraid to adapt them. Don't be afraid to go, well, that makes sense, but I think I want to do it this way. You know, you you have to own it. You have to make it yours. But, you know, with my son, my youngest, my 10-year-old, I want, I don't want to burst his bubble with laws and rules and etiquette and things like that. I want to make sure he understands there's a place for all those things and there's a power in, in having those things. But there's also a great power in being able to say, okay, if we go a few miles over the speed limit, it's not going to hurt anybody. We're probably not going to get pulled over, you know, but it's, can we pass this car and go five mile an hour faster and it'd be okay? Yeah, we're not hurting anybody. We're still driving safe. So it's, it's learning as a parent, as a coach, as an executive, as a executive coach is how much structure do I give, but also encourage that flexibility and individuality. Yeah. And I've not been a parent, but I would say on the coaching level that the best 
advice as coaches, and you'll hear a little bit in our interview with Nikki Munson as well, but um, is really, it's the questions you're asking questions. So it's trying to, I always call it the peel the onion, you know? So yeah. with anybody that has an opinion or, or a firm view, you know, if, if you want them to think differently or consider different perspectives or be open to different ideas, but still they can make the decision. It's, it's kind of through questions and then they do self-reflect and get there on their own. And, and Nikki mentions that a little bit in our interview when she had an executive coach, but yeah, that was good stuff. Saying all the answers, right. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, what, what do you think when we go over, what is that? How does that make you feel? Or, or why are you concerned about that? And, right. And then keep going from there. And then it gets to where it is. I mean, I I got to believe when my sister was young, she was probably exactly like your youngest, which is odd because okay. I feel like, I mean, maybe it's the product of three children versus two children and boy and girl. But um, I was, you know, I had no like laws and rules were just really challenged, except for that. It, I broke them all with my parents um, but when I was gotten to school, I really, I wanted to make sure the teachers thought I was a good, good stuff. Right. So then my mom would go in there and she's like, and they're like, she's an angel to have in class. And my mom's yeah. like, are we talking about the same person? Yeah. <laughs> you know, same. I don't know where, how I drew the line, um, tested it again, even at school, I tested it on the, in sports, you know, I yeah. tested it in sports, but in class, I wanted to follow the rules. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly asking parents and, and student athletes this question. How do you want to be perceived? Mm. Not how should you be perceived or how do you need to be perceived, but how do you want to be perceived? And then when we talk about coaching is what do you want that relationship to be with your coach? You know, so I, I think the more we ask those questions, the more we make them think about their answers, whether that's an employee at a Fortune 500 company or a kid in high school, I, I think there's real value into that. So, and that's why I'm excited for you to tell our audience about Miss Nikki Munson. Yeah, well, Nikki and I met at BP um, years ago, and just just an exceptional person, an exceptional leader. Just to give you a little bit about her biography, um, she was a senior finance executive. Obviously, she's got over 25 years. She's currently a VP of finance for a company that she'll talk a little bit more about. And again, at BP, she spent, I think it was 22 years through varying levels of finance roles um, up to including big senior level leader roles. And so just amazing individual. Um I would say she's also, when she decided to leave BP, she decided to be a running coach. And she started, she talks a little bit about in the podcast, about in 2016, she ran uh, her, or she wanted to run her first marathon. So she got a coach and she was like, this is a goal. And then even challenged her goal of not just the first one, but let's do a qualifying score for the Boston marathon. And then she did that. And so it became almost her respite, her, her, quiet place where she can go and recharge when she runs, she can meet goals, she can challenge. And then she loves to be able to provide that same insight and challenges to others that might have the same similar running goals, whether it's marathon or 5k or just to get in shape or whatever your goals are. And so, you know, really amazing individual. Um, again, the company she's currently working for is called Stenograph. She talks a little bit about that. 
and she is an athlete. She loves to run. We just talked about, she loves to hike. She loves to ski. They just bought a place up in Colorado. So she's very excited about going there um, more often than she has in the past. So very exciting. Cool. So I'm hoping, Matt, what did you think, you know, any insight into before we kick it off to our listeners to hear this great interview, your thoughts? Great conversation. Um, I think people are going to get a lot out of just who she is as a person and the humility that she brings to her life and, but the presence she has in um, just caring about people, but doing it at a really high level and how much she enjoys coaching. And I thought um, in our rapid fire questions, I thought her her, her answers were really significant too. I love her quote and I won't, I won't put it out here, but I want people to hear it from her, but I, 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 everything about her, you know, why she's an executive for a big company, you know, why she does really well and is a great leader and a great teammate. And so uh, you're going to learn a lot from, from Nikki. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy this interview with Nikki Munson. Nikki Munson, welcome to be significant. I'm so glad that you could join us. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Yes. Thanks for doing this, Nikki. We appreciate it. Very exciting. Um, obviously, I just want to jump right in. One of the things that I've loved about you when I got to work with you um, at BP is just really your transformational leadership style. Like you've always been the one that's very inclusive, very communicative, and then also continuous improvement mindset, as well as really just pushing boundaries. When people say no, and you're like, it doesn't make sense to you. Your, your problem solving, your challenging, your willingness to kind of table and the patience that you put into it is, I think, really, I'd love to dive into. But before we start with that, I'd like to know a little bit about what you're doing now. I think you start a new job. You're almost, I think, a year in. It's about a year. Yeah, uh-huh. just about a year. So I'd love to see, you know, tell me a little bit about what you're doing there and then how you're bringing that kind of your natural, innate style into this, this new role. Sure. Yeah, it's a good place to start. So I'm the VP of finance at Stenograph and Stenograph is a company we are celebrating 85 years this year. So we've been in business a long time. Um, Stenograph serves the court reporting industry. So we manufacture writers for court reporters and software products that integrate with those writers to produce a legally formatted transcript. So this is what we've been doing for those 85 years, really a market leader, um, really known for our quality. And more recently, um, we have a whole suite of new products that um, we've been bringing to the market to really enable digital reporting. So in 2021, we developed an in-house speech recognition engine that integrates with our software to take audio and produce that legal transcript. And so now we're able to offer this product um, out to the market, which, you know, the the demand for uh, legal transcription is growing um, and we're able to serve it now in different ways. Uh, We had a new product that launched this year that's a remote uh, video conferencing um, platform. So think of Zoom, but don't think of Zoom because we compete with Zoom, but it is a a platform that is designed specifically for legal proceedings. So remote depositions um, with COVID, there's a real rise in, in remote proceedings. And so our product um, is uniquely designed for that to post exhibits and have sidebar rooms and integrate with our speech engine to, t- to develop that transcript of the proceedings. So a very, very cool um, movement with the company and in the industry. So it's been really exciting to join at this time, you know, as this company is going for this through this 
transformation as the as the industry is transforming and internally we're transforming too. You know, think about a culture, um, you know, of a company that's been in business so long. We have many people in the company that have been there over 30 years, um, some some longer probably, um, and 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 then a mix of new joiners like myself. So yeah, a year in November, I will be there, and it's just uh, been really exciting to be part of the leadership there, um, working with my finance team and really transforming in. in internally as well, you know, kind of modernizing our systems and processes and bringing it all online for the new products. So it's, it's been a, a great ride so far. That's amazing. And then tell me a little bit about like what you've seen, because I think you're, at least when I've worked with you, you were really good about just asking questions and initially trying to get a lay of the land, like how have things been done? What are we trying to do? And where are the opportunities? And so tell me a little bit about kind of how your natural style is, is where you're seeing opportunities for you to really play a bigger role and influence in a different way in that environment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I've been, you know, directly involved in our strategy and, you know, our, our strategy really is, is about transformation um, and, you know, the development of the new products, but also I think my role um, has, has been focused pretty heavily internally. So, you know, we're working on an old ERP system. We're going to be doing an upgrade there pretty soon. Um, this year we implemented a new billing system. And so there's uh, there's great wins to be had and we're getting some momentum with that to just be able to, you know, modernize our ways of working, streamline and automate the processes and just, you know, leverage technology internally in a better way to give, you know, better insights to the business and, and drive decisions. So that's really kind of the space that I'm, that I'm playing in now. And, um, and yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. It's it's I think I've been it's been well received, and uh, we're we're getting some good traction. Nikki, you got to explain something to me. Sure. How do you go from Northern Arizona for your bachelor's degree to Anchorage, Alaska for your master's degree? I, you just got to explain that to me before we get too deep into this. Oh sure. Those are pretty sure. extreme extreme locations. It, it is, and I grew up in Southern California, so yeah, I grew up near the beach, went to college near the mountains which was a very intentional decision. Um, my parents, you know, when I grew up, we would go skiing frequently on um, family vacations. So college in a ski town was a main criteria for selecting um, college and Flagstaff. But uh, yeah, the, the move to Alaska, I graduated college. I didn't have a clear career plan at the time. And that's where my college boyfriend was from. And I thought, well, why not? That sounds like a pretty wild adventure. So let's go. So yeah, I, I moved to Anchorage, Alaska with $2,000 and, um, and, and a plan to find a job. I thought if all you know went sideways, I'd wait tables and figure it out. And yeah, in six weeks landed my first job in the oil business. So that's kind of how it all started. And you know, the boyfriend thing didn't work out, but I did stay there for four years. <laughs> I had a great time. Alaska is a phenomenal place to, to visit and live. And I I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. The the outdoors is vast and the, just the things that Alaskans do are just different um, and on every level, just the, the degree of being outdoors and exploring and hiking and skiing, just all the outdoor things I love to do. It just, 
right there, right there. It's it's one of my favorite places on the planet. I we we spent about 10, 12 days there 15 years ago and I I still have great memories and can't wait to take my kids back. So I needed I need to hear a little bit more about that. So that that was great. Now yeah. I'm 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 a coach. So I love the fact that you're a running coach and you're a certified personal trainer. So I'm going to dive into that a little bit. Tell, tell me where that started with you and, and what do you get out of coaching? What, what, are, the, what are the things that you enjoy about helping others w- with your sport and, and that exercise mindset? Sure. So I can, I can start with kind of how I got into running and then how that led to coaching. Um, so I've really, I've been an athlete my whole life, um, grew up playing sports. Tennis was my, was my main sport. I've always preferred to be a player over being a spectator. Uh, so, so tennis was really my thing um, all through college and after. And then running sort of started to be a side thing. I think in college I started running, you know, as a something to do after, you know, a, a fun night out. <laughs> but uh, when I was in Alaska, I started racing. I started just joining into, you know, local races and kind of got the, um, you know, kind of got the, got what that was all about and found that that really, you know, inspired me being a part of, you know, people getting out and, and pushing, pushing themselves. So I got into racing there, but it was still kind of sporadic here and there. And that's kind of how running remained for me um, really until 2016. Um, That year I took a sabbatical from work and I had a few major goals. One was to run my first marathon. Another was to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and just mainly spend time with my family. So the, the running then I hired a coach and um, that was just a phenomenal experience working with that coach. I learned so much from her. Um, my running took off in a totally different way. She really inspired me. She's from Boston, has run the Boston Marathon. I can't tell you how many times now. So she really inspired me and um, and and really poured into me and really believed in me. And, and throughout that training cycle, um, I really started to believe that I was going to do well. I was going to finish that marathon. That was my main goal was just to finish. But as I got to training, I thought, well, I can, I think I can actually do well. And, and I, I started to secretly think and wonder if I could qualify for Boston in that marathon. And then I would sort of dismiss it thinking, well, who am I? I've never run a marathon. Why would I think I could qualify for Boston in my in my first marathon, but I shared it with her at a point and she said, I absolutely think you can do that. And so let's, you know, that's, that's a goal. Let's go for it. And, and I finished the marathon. I did qualify for Boston. I did eventually run Boston. Um, and so it, I just share that story as, you know, she poured into me um, in a way that really impacted me. Um, it was that belief and um, that experience made me want to be that person for somebody else. Um, so it's a combination of the learning and feeling like I had amassed all of this knowledge about running and how to train and how to do it right and how to race and how to be smart that I just really wanted to share it. And I wanted to help other people chase those goals because running became this thing for me that became so important um, in combination with my work life. Um, just as a balancer for that stress, um, it, it gave me, um, you know, I pushed past what I had perceived to be my own boundaries, you know, and being able to do that and experience it. I just wanted to do that with other people. It's 
it's what a great coach does. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are there, are there two or three things for someone that comes to you and says, Hey, I just, I think I want to run a 5k. I want to, I want to start doing this for myself. Are there two or three things mentally, physically, routine wise that you feel like jumpstart that passion for running or just get people comfortable that it's not as hard and it can be joyful? What, what are those things that get people going, get that allow you to motivate somebody in that world? Sure. Yeah. I, I always try to start with the goals. You know, what, what is their individual goal? Um, I think a lot of people start to run, but they don't call themselves a runner because they perceive that being a runner means you have to run fast. It means you have to run races. Um, it means you are, you know, some elite person born with some kind of a gift. And so um, I start with what is the goal? If the goal is to achieve a distance, is it to achieve a time? You know, is it to gain fitness, um, to, to do something different for your health? And then the, the plan then is all centered around those goals. Um, when people are starting, I really try to um, assess always where are they at? Where, they, where are they at at the beginning? And where are you at now? What are you doing now? Um, because one of the main things as a coach is we want to train healthy. We want to get you to that starting line healthy. That is the that is the top goal. No matter what the whether you have a tongue goal or you don't, you need to train healthy. Doing too much too soon, you'll get injured. Um, I have been there and done that too many times, so I've learned some of those things the hard ways. Um, so it's, it's, it's easing in, in the right way. And, and another big thing around that is, um, you know, walking while you are walking and running is, is a fantastic way to start. I'm coming off of an injury now and I am doing a walk run. I run for three minutes and I walk for a minute. So walking while you're running doesn't make you not a runner. <laughs> you're still a runner. So yeah. that, that's where I, would I like to I would start. take the opposite, Nikki, because I'm not, I don't love to run. I always say, unless I'm being chased by a dog that I really don't want to get caught by. Um, but I've been doing that just where, so I still say like, I'm a walker, but I, I run in intervals. <laughs> so I just switched the mindset because I mean, but I actually find some joy out of it if I actually treat myself, but um, yeah. I still haven't claimed the running gig. <laughs> yeah, well, I think people can often think, well, if I'm going to be a runner, that means I have to run out the door and run down the driveway and I have to run fast and I have to run far. And if you do that, when you haven't trained, you will burn out quickly. You'll get a cramp. It will, you'll burn out. You won't be able to sustain it. And then you'll think, well, I guess I'm not, I don't have this gift when it's, it's not that it's something that that builds over a very long period of time. I mean, I trained for 10 months for that marathon the first time. Um, and, you know, I had been running before that. I mean, that was starting from a base. So it, it takes a good long time to really ramp up to be able to run a long distance. What's, what's that look like week to week, Nikki, those 10 months? What, what, what is that? What is the, the, the day, uh, Tuesday look like? And then a Thursday look like? Sure, sure. Um, I'm intrigued by by that. Yeah, I, and it depends really where where you are in the in the phase of training. It's generally a base building phase for anybody kind of getting started with a with a we'll say marathon in this case a, a marathon training plan. That base building is just easy running, just easy running, going out running, 
you know, what will feel like a slow pace. Um, you can't really kind of go too slow when you're running, quote, easy. Um, or you're running at a pace where you could probably carry on a conversation with somebody while you're running. So it's very, very gentle, easy. And getting out, you know, three to four days a week, just building up that base. Once I would get into marathon training, it's building up to four and then five days a week of running. So, you know, you've got your rest days in between there. And a couple of those days would be speed days. So we're kind of getting closer into the race where be running different type of interval training. So, you know, faster, like what would be more like a 5k pace and then um, intervals of slower, easy running or even possibly walking. So those are the type of workouts that are really building that speed. And then other workouts are gonna be geared more towards endurance. And the right. degree of the speed um, is really tailored to those objectives of, is this, is this workout focused on speed? Is this one focused on endurance? And then usually one day a week is a long run. As you're leading up to a marathon, the long run will sort of start around eight miles and go up to 20 or 21 miles for that longest run. And then as I continued to train, sometimes within those long runs, you may do some speed intervals, but those are mostly about kind of the time on your feet, getting trained to be out, you know, that long, learning to fuel, you know, kind of take in the right kind of um, fluids and, and fuel throughout, because that's part of the game too, when you're out running for four hours. <laughs> Did you, did you ever run 26 miles in preparation for the marathon or is it all no. built up to that to kind of save your, your you body? Typically don't. Yeah, you typically don't typically top out around 20 or 21. There's just okay. not a reason to do it. It's, it's really about conserving your body, you know, for that race day. You don't want to run. I tell my athletes this, you don't want to run the race before the race. Right. You know, and I would imagine you're not running 15 to 20 miles a week or two before the marathon. I'm, I'm guessing that is. Right. A month out, maybe. Yeah, there's a there's what's called a taper period, usually a couple of weeks before a marathon. So you might run that peak long run uh, of 20 miles two weeks before okay. the race. And then over those two weeks, you're still running, but it's less. It's less, less time and it's less intensity, really giving your body a chance to rest and recover and get ready for the big day. Are you taking more days off in that that two weeks? Yeah. Uh, Slightly. Yeah, slightly in the in the week leading up, I'd usually take a day or two ahead of the race and rest completely. Okay. Everybody's a little bit different, but right. definitely dialing it back. I mean, it's just it's just got to be devastating to your body by the time you're done with it. I would imagine a couple of days of rest beforehand is essential. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I know Beth's got a bunch of questions. I, I want to transition what you what you're doing with the running now what you're doing as the VP of finance and what you did with BP. Have you found that your coaching has changed your leadership? Because I, I think when Beth and I, we meet with all these fantastic people like you that, have, that are really making great changes in the world and, and what they're doing, we're finding that the best leaders are great coaches. Have, have you found a change in your leadership style because of your coaching and what you've been doing with running? Absolutely. You know, I, I talked about the running coach that I worked with when I ran that first marathon. Um, even prior to that, I had worked with an executive coach at BP. Um, and I had that opportunity during a pretty big transition in my career and life. I, I at that time was coming off of 
working part-time for six years. And I was coming back full-time and into a much bigger role. I was coming onto a more senior leadership team, very large team that I was leading. And I was given this coach to work with at that time, which was absolutely crucial for me to kind of be successful in that transition. And so I would say that experience working with her um, was also really pivotal in my own leadership journey and just learning from that process of her really asking such great questions and pulling kind of answers out of me and having me really kind of discover what might be holding me back, um, having me really discover what was going to propel me forward, what was, and at the time it was, it was things like, you know, do I really belong here? I feel so junior compared to, you know, my peers. And, uh, you know, she really helped me see, um, I absolutely belong here. I absolutely, you know, belong in this seat and, um, and helped me really build that confidence. So, I would say I really drew from that coaching experience in a tremendous way in my own um, leadership as well. And just recognizing again, the, the impact, the impact that she had on me, I knew for having that experience myself, you know, that this was a way that I wanted to be able to impact others on my team and beyond, you know, we had, I think such a great culture at BP of, really kind of seeking people out. It didn't have to be formally like I would only coach people on my team, but, you know, people, we would seek each other out for, for advice and for, you know, mentorship and coaching. And so I was able to really hone that um, and, you know, help people to really, you know, discover what are your goals here? You know, if you're frustrated about something, what are you trying to do here? And let's just break it down and and what's getting in your way. Um, so so yeah, it, it really it really all hangs together for me. You know, just the coaching through work through with BP. You know, and then coaching and running, um, and really just sharing. You know, my love of running um, with with other people as well. Nikki, tell me a little. Go ahead, Beth. Yeah. So tell me a little bit. So I love that you know, of course, I think getting coaching and getting others perspective and also reminders of how capable you are is, is very good. And you kind of need that along the way. I'm a big advocate of coaching in a variety of forms. I was also an athlete, so I've had good coaches and bad coaches. And then in corporate America, great leaders and bad leaders. Um, But you always had this natural inclination to investigate, pour into people and then challenge boundaries. Um, I would love, you know, I can bring up a few examples, but I would love a, to understand where do you think that drive came from? Like where you're always looking, getting to know the people you're working with and, or they're working for you. And then how either you can spawn ideas, but drive it through them, which is not always a natural instinct. A lot of people just want to do it themselves. And you just are really good about discovering the talent and leading through others as needed. Um, to help them meet their goals. So tell me where that came from. And then, you know, maybe some examples and get off throw it out. Like, I think as a woman in a very male dominated world, you just push boundaries on a very hot topic now, post COVID flexibility. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that if you'd like as well, but just the origination of where you think that kind of comes from or 
Mm, yeah, the pushing boundaries. I, you know, I, I think that's grown over time. It's, um, yeah, I, well, I, I can I can start with an example and it, and it probably goes back further um, in terms of pushing boundaries. And then I'll come back to kind of working through others. When I came, so I have uh, four kids now. I had two kids and then my husband has two kids. We got married 12 years ago. That's kind of a whole a whole story in and of itself. But um, when I had my first child, when I had my daughter, um, I came back to work. I took six months off of work, which at that time was long. Um, and I think I've always had this sense of um, time is precious. I this this time will come once and I have to make the most of it. Um, I'm not sure honestly where that comes from because I have always felt like I have to um, make the most of now. And that's been a pretty consistent thread. But at, at that point, um, I knew I wanted to make the most of my time with my new baby. And and I did, it was, it was great, but I came back to work full time and I would walk into work and just be in a daze and like how I'd be looking around thinking, how do moms do this? Um, I can't believe I survived the morning and got her dressed and dropped off. And it, I just was like, how do people do this? And so I did. And I did for another, gosh, I don't know, year or so. And then I got pregnant again and I was like, oh, thank God, um, because I, I cannot keep doing this. <laughs> so then I took a year off. Um, I just went and said, and it just, I, I, I didn't even think twice. I, I just said, this is what I need. And after having been there a bit, I felt confident that that you know my boss was going to be receptive. I I knew I did my research on policies and I thought yes I know you won't pay me for a period but there is a personal leave and this is what I want to do and I'll see you when I get back. And um, so I did. I, I took off for a year and over that year I thought about because I was even thinking I don't know you know how do I want to manage this but the working full time and baby at home was so difficult. So over that year, I just decided I, I have to do this differently. So as I was getting ready to come back, I came back and said, I want to come back part time. Um, I want to make the most of this time with my kids. And I didn't know what that looked like. And at that time, I was pretty open and willing to do, you know, just about anything. But, you know, as it would all come together, you know, I was matched up with another um, woman who had also just had her second child and put us together as a job share team. And we proceeded to share, to do a job share arrangement for six years. Um, it's probably one of my most, one of my career accomplishments that I'm the most proud of. Um, and it wasn't smooth sailing for six years. We had to defend that arrangement many times as there were constraints on, you know, the organization and headcount, but it was absolutely something that I, I was going to fight for. Um, it was what I needed and I knew I wanted to continue to pursue my career. That was very clear. Um, I needed to work. I needed to work the all day with the kids, like definitely I would have gone insane. So I needed work, but I needed it in a balanced way. And this worked I mean, better than any of us ever expected. I wound up getting the 
added benefit of a job share partner who coached me, who mentored me. We were there for each other. We made each other better. Um, and, and I want to remind our listeners, this was a leadership role. It would, you didn't just get like some, you know, individual contributor role that you divided by two. This was like a big leadership role that you and your colleague had. I mean, it was huge. So, you know, when yeah. people think, like you said, you're coming back willing to do anything. A, I love that you guys knew your worth and B, I love that the company also was allowed to test it, you know, cause it was a big role and you guys did it such a great, it was so, yeah. so seamless well, when I came we, in, I was like, started, wow, yeah, we started in an individual contributor role. Um, and, and that worked great. And we loved it. We were in this learning and development role in finance and created all of this really cool content for, you know, the finance organization. And we came to the point where we were ready to do our next thing and we wanted to do it together. And we went to, uh, we went for a couple different roles and got told no, because we were job sharing that they just couldn't, couldn't work it out. They couldn't see how it could work in a leadership position. Um, and then eventually we got a yes, because we came saying, here's how it will work. Here's how we will manage the team. Here's how we will communicate and collaborate with each other. Here's how these handoffs are going to look on Wednesdays when we're both there you know, and on Fridays when she leaves and Mondays when I come in, I mean, we had it down and we made it work. And the funny part of the story, Beth probably knows this, um, is that people started to call me Jackie and they started to call her Nikki. And uh, I mean, this went on for years, even after we were job sharing, people would still call me Jackie and call her Nikki. And we always took it as a compliment that we were working so seamlessly that <laughs> we would get called the other person's name, but uh, it really was um, everything we both wanted for that period of time. I was able to do it until both of my kids were in all day school, which was uh, to me a great, a great accomplishment and a great example. I, I, I talked to so many people about how you can stand up for what you want for you know your own personal and professional needs. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in, again, especially post COVID, the concept of flexibility I think exists. And unfortunately, I think corporations are taking it's all 100% remote, or it has to be a two to three day hybrid, or it has to be, it's like one or the other, instead of just allowing some sort of consistent approach to flexibility. And again, whether it's team associated or site location associated, et cetera. But do you have an opinion on that? Like from your perspective of, you know, how companies could manage the concept of this flexibility, especially post-COVID when minus the essential workers that have to be there on site to make like the widgets, et cetera. Um, it's know. a really interesting topic right now. I think, you know, we swung the, you know, far over one direction with COVID. Um, for me, when COVID happened, on you know one hand, it was huge relief. You know, commuting into Chicago, I don't have to do that. I can take my life back. I can run in the morning. You know, I took full advantage of of the time to kind of feed you know my own my own personal needs. So obviously, we all had to be at home, and people got a lot from that. I certainly did, and I, it exposed what we could do fully remote. Um, we, at that time, I was working on a system transformation. Um, we did user testing fully remotely, things we never would have 
planned to do with anybody out of the office. We did, and we did very successfully. So COVID showed us what's possible in a fully remote environment. As And now people have wanted to fight for that um, flexibility and, and claim it going forward. And a lot of people have built a lot of leverage and been able to do that. It's interesting how the conversation is changing a bit now, kind of with some distance behind us since people have returned to the office and where there's been a harder push to come back to the office. And being back in an office myself now, I understand it. I understand it. There are many times that I think our collaboration together in the office is, is definitely superior to what we're getting when, when we're remote. Um, things are more organic, they happen quicker, um, and the relationships develop in a different way. It's, it's, that's definitely been my experience. So it's been a really interesting one for me to watch now. And I, there's, there's, a, there's a balance somewhere in it. Um, and there are so many different and unique circumstances. I'm thrilled to see so many remote opportunities. I think it's giving people, you know, different career options that have been closed to them. But um, yeah, that it's all it, it's all about just protecting what you need for yourself. And people have to be kind of honest about them about that for themselves and what they need. But then recognizing what companies need and. How can it all work together? It's always for me been about kind of marrying up my personal goals with what the company needs. And when I can find that connection, then it's going to be um, it's going to be well received. It's, it's funny how we tether ourselves to our fears. You know, we can go back to the that person that's starting to run for the first time or that person that, you know, that CEO or VP that just can't change the structure that they've had for 20 years. Okay. So, so how do we, how do we teach that? Because I've had in the last two weeks, I've had conversations with executives and, and people at schools and we're, we're having the same conversation we're having today. You know, got somebody that wants to work from home because of a family situation or a husband or a wife is changing jobs and they have to move, but they don't want to lose their job. They want to continue to work remote. And in the company or the school is going, well, we've never done that before. Okay. So at what point do we go, the person, the significance of that individual is more important than the history? Yeah. How, how do you address that? Because the big problem is if I'm an executive, I'm going, well, then these 20 other people are going to want to work remote too. So I, I know the obstacle that's there, but how do we address that so we don't lose good people? So if, if somebody that has a baby wants to take a year off, we don't lose that person. We keep them engaged, keep them, give them a reason to be, continue to be purposeful for us. How do, how do we, how, how can we look at that instead of react to it? How can we be proactive to it? Mm. Yeah, I, I think leaders need to think long-term with people. Um, you know, I'm grateful that, you know, leaders I worked for kept the, you know, they kept the long-term view with me. They mm -hmm. knew that um, I needed to do what I needed to do at a period. It was a season and they were able to see what they were going to get in the long run. I think that's where leaders are, are successful in, in giving, you know, their people the, the space and you have to recognize the talent. Um, 
So yeah, I, I think we have to to give it to give it the long term view when it comes to that. Um, if we if we want to retain good people, and you know, to the fear, and then is everybody else going to want you know some some given arrangement? I think people have to also when you want that flexibility, you have to prove how to that how you will make it successful right. and demonstrate it. You know, so sometimes it's a, we have to give this a shot. So let's give it a chance. And let's put some guardrails around it. Let's set some clear expectations and let's give this a shot. And if it doesn't work, then we need to change course. I don't necessarily believe in, you know, the, the same, the same rules for everyone. Um, you know, that can be, that can be dangerous. I know that's a bit of a, a general statement, but um, you have to step back and look at what do you need? What do you need to run the business successfully? And then just how do you marry it up with the personal needs? I try to get really, you know, with, with my team, I try to you know, listen, what do you need? What do you need to make this work for you personally and achieve your professional goals and do your role in a way that's going to make the business successful? Those things have to all connect. I always say too, Nikki, like I've always said fair and consistent doesn't, is not the exact same, right? It's that I will meet you where you're at and we'll try it and adjust it and see if we can find some sort of middle ground. But it doesn't mean that every single person gets the exact same treatment other than a fair and consistent conversation of what meets your needs and mm -hmm. the business needs, right? So um, it's always tricky. And like Matt said, you know, again, the natural uh, discussion or resistance is we haven't done that or it's new or there's no way. And I mean, that's why I love your story. And there's numerous examples of that, but the one you just gave is you tested out, you found somebody that, you know, had the same work ethic you did, and then you proved it and then challenged it even further and said, we're good with this job, but we can do bigger. We can do more for this organization. And to me, a having a leader that was saying, all right, we'll give it a shot. Even if they're like, there's no way in the back of their mind that this is going to work. Right. But the fact is you proved it out. You said it and then adjusted where you need to. Right. I mean, it's, and I also think leaders should be patient in that space of not just proving out and then not willing to adjust. Right. There's no perfect solution right away, or you're waiting too long and you miss the market. Right. Like you have to be willing to, Hey, I need a little bit more of this and a little bit less of this. Great. We can adjust. Right. And it doesn't mean it's, we throw it out like, you know, the baby in the bathwater concept. So, um, give me examples. Like, you know, one of the things I've loved and I have numerous examples of the people that have been on your team of also that flexibility with developing people to be their best. And this goes with Matt's coaching, I've seen coaches on the basketball field that treat everyone the same and don't adjust styles. And similar with leaders, I've seen leaders that try to do it the way they've learned and the way they were successful and don't also adjust. And again, going back to if, especially if you want diversity, if you're a female and an all, it just looks different where everyone's built differently. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit about how you approach getting to know your team, working with each person's learning styles, trying to get each of your team's natural strengths to play best for the organization so that you're really getting the best out of that and meeting the, go the goals of the organization? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I really try to spend time, you know, firstly, just getting to know people and really just doing a lot of listening. So, you know, getting to understand backgrounds, um, career goals, skills, 
and listening to what are your what are your challenges um where are we headed you know as a team and and listen to people weigh in on that i i think team you know success is absolutely about getting the right there's sports analogies you know getting the right players in the right positions getting you know people in the right roles to match their their skills and capabilities, but also to stretch them and, and develop in the areas that they want to in order to achieve their career goals. So when you can get all of those things working, you know, uh, working in concert, then then you really hit it. And it takes time to do that. It takes time to do that. Sometimes, you know, come into a team and I don't have people in the right seats or I don't have the work allocated in the right way to match up with you know the capabilities or you know how they want to develop and so I really try to take a pretty fluid approach with that um I've been doing that for a long time I really try not to be fixed when it comes to what you're doing now um I'm somebody that I mean change is something that's oh it's a constant for everyone but it's something I like um, I have changed jobs. You know, I was with BP for 22 years, but I can't tell you how many jobs I had. I moved jobs every two to three years um, at BP. And when I would get to kind of that point, I was ready for the next thing. So I'm always about shaking it up um, and keep it fresh. And I've found, you know, with my with my teams that that some people like that and some people don't. So again, it's about understanding where people are coming from and making the changes that are going to fit for them and for the team, you know, and, and for the business. So. Nikki, if anybody looks at your resume or just listen to your conversation so far with us, it's, it's all fantastic, but you look at tennis, skiing, running finance. If, if we throw finance in as the sport, that's pretty much very individualized. I'm in control of my own destiny right? They're, they're all on that same, same path. Mm -hmm. And you've been using the word team multiple times now in the last five minutes. Yeah. Is that been a stretch for you to be a team leader and to rely on others to, to get results? Has that been hard? And have you had to learn, teach yourself that and teaching others that? I, I'm Good catch, Matt, because you're right. Um, team sports, um, mine, you're right. It's all, all of my Sports experience is definitely individual. Um, have I had to learn team? Absolutely. And I would say all of that, all of that has come in business. Um, all of that has come in business. And my experience being a part of different teams, um, some good, some dysfunctional, and seeing what a great team looks like. It's uh, those experiences have definitely been kind of business focused and and I just get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing a team succeed, um, out of seeing a team really grow to be cohesive. There have been a few times in my career where I've been able to actually handpick my whole team. And I've really enjoyed those experiences because then I can be really thoughtful about what do I need to fill this you know, particular role and how is that going to play with the rest of the people? So yeah, I've really personally experienced it the, the team aspect definitely primarily through business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you know, someone in sports, yep. It's, um, it's all, it's all, it's all on me. Especially <laughs> running, running. And I, a lot of people like to go out and run with groups and 
Um, with my training, I've done it all on my own, usually alone right. in the park um, before work. <laughs> and it's just my quiet time, just my quiet time. But, Do you but, find yourself hiring people that have that mentality like you do? Give me a job, I will get it done. Or are you finding that you're looking for fit pieces that fit with whatever whatever you have? Do you, do you have a, a a constant thought with that, or is it has it become more of a mix in what you want on your team? Well, I have learned, Matt, that not everybody thinks like me. <laughs> Where I was going. <laughs> Beth will chuckle at this and has my same ideas about, you know, timelines and getting things done. So of course I, I love somebody who's, you know, heads down and you know always gets work done on time. Uh, but truly though, I I have learned through through my career that people bring different working styles and those different styles are what make a team great. Um so I, I recognize people that think and work like me, um, and it is easy to go that direction. Right. But I need I need big idea people as much as I need people who are executors, as much as I need people who are you know highly analytical. So it's it's really about it's really about that mix. And I think you know back to the team thing, um, you know the the sports and and the kind of sort of individual sports. You know I. Work is really where I get my outlet with people. But when I am done with the day, like it's it's all I've expended all of that social energy. So my circle of friends is small. You're more often <laughs> gonna find sure. me at home on a weekend, you know. So <laughs> the time alone refuels me, you know, for for that day. So I need both, but that's kind of how you know I I wind up kind of I wind up kind of expressing my social energy of course I'm, I'm going to throw this at you real quick because um, i've been having this conversation i think beth and i have had it too but i've had it a couple times here the last couple of weeks when you beth and i talk about hiring so much and it's always on my mind i've been throwing around the idea the next time i hire someone before i even interview them i'm going to go here's a problem we're dealing with your first step of this process for us is We'd like to know how you deal with it. And for me, I, I feel like that tells me so much about a person. If number one, that's a challenge they want to accept. Mm -hmm. And number two, I, I think it's a win-win situation, whether you're a school president or a VP of finance at, a, at an old corporation or you run a grocery store, whatever it may be, to be able to see what does that what does that person bring number one what's where's their eq iq how do they how do they think and then number two even if we don't hire them they might have just given us an idea that we haven't thought about before when you hear that what do you think about that i think it's great for for all the reasons you just said but also because you get insight into how that person thinks how will they approach this problem and having them really lay it out you'll learn a lot about well, I mean, their approach to problems. And in the end, you know, a lot of a lot of what we're doing, you know, in, in the workplace is we're solving problems. We're solving problems, we're clearing barriers, you're resolving a conflict, whatever it is, but you're gonna get some insight to how that person thinks. And so yeah, I think that's a great, I think that's a great, a great 
approach to getting to know a candidate for sure. At least a starting point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Gosh, Nikki, I could literally keep talking because I have so many more topics that I want to go, but I'm also thoughtful of time and you have been so gracious with your time. So we're now going to kick it over to our rapid fire questions. And again, the audience can't see me do air quotes, but they know if they've listened to any other episode that we laugh because we often get curious when we ask these quick rapid fire questions, but we'll go ahead and get this kicked off. Are you ready for this? Oh, yes. I'm ready. You have fun with us. What job would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing today? What would I be doing? Um, well, so dreaming job, maybe. Um, I, I've always had, um, I've had, a, I've had a vision at some point of being a motivational speaker. So of having, and I don't know what my platform would be or what my topic or focus would be, but being able to, you know, be in a room of people and deliver some inspiration. I've always enjoyed receiving that. Um, and I think that would be cool. I love that. What I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting your, I'm putting your Ted talk speech in the, in the notes. This is, <laughs> Oh, I love it. Matt. Running for Beth your runs life. for her, her life. When dogs chase her, you run for your joy. I think that's your Ted talk. Both can be motivating in different ways, right? Um, I love it. What would you tell your 21-year-old self? 21-year-old self. Um, you know, she had a great time at 21. What would I tell her? I would tell her that you're going to have some bumps in the road and you are capable of way more than you know, and it's going to be okay. Keep taking the chances, take the risks, because life is a great ride. I love that. And following that dumb boy turned out okay. <laughs> it always leads somewhere, right? Boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a favorite book or podcast you've been reading or listening to lately that you'd recommend that's been significant to you? Oh, so reading and podcasts lately, I really enjoy sort of this weave between um, biographies and business. So um, I read That Will Never Work by Mark Rand Randolph, one of the Netflix founders. Oh, Fascinating, okay. love learning about him and the, the origination of the company. Loved that. What was um, his name? I think Mark Randolph. Mark Randolph. Okay. Right. Yeah. I'll one have to of check that out. Those are the Netflix. books I like too. Netflix founders. Um, similarly, and then anytime I can mix sort of biography, business, and running, I like it even more. Um, so I read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the uh, founder of Nike. Um, I loved the story because I love a great business story. I have other reasons to not like um, Nike so much. Uh, so another book, um, Good for a Girl by... Lauren Fleshman, actually um, another one by Kara Goucher, who was a Nike elite athlete, kind of telling the other side of what um, went on at Nike that was um, really not favorable for women. So I'm super happy that those stories are exposed and um, that we're getting a much more level playing field for women in sports. So long windy story there, but uh, yeah, love anything kind of biography business and running that combo is, is the best. Podcast wise, I love business wars and business movers. Those are again kind of great, 
great business stories. The business wars one about Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun was excellent. Oh, I have to go listen to that. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah, fighting for her masters. Was fantastic. I love that. What's your go-to comfort food? Comfort food. Oh my gosh. Um, comfort food. So this one's probably weird. I like to make these peanut butter protein balls. So they are, they are peanut butter, chocolate chips, oats, uh, protein powder, black seed, chia seeds in there and make them in these little balls. Once I started, like, I can't stop. I always have to have a supply. So I have, you just put I them make them. yeah, I make them. I can give you the recipe. You can post it. They're fantastic. So you had me at peanut butter. Anything with peanut butter, I'm in. Yeah. You had me at chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> is there a movie you love is there a movie you go back to movies you know coming off of summer I don't know when was the last time I went to a movie because I feel bad going to a movie when it's nice outside so I'm sure we'll be getting back to movies but oh my gosh it's been ages I I am a huge Survivor fan though so TV I've, I have gone back to watch old seasons of Survivor. I have seen every season and some of them I have seen more than once. I love, yeah, I love Survivor. That fits with your, that fits with your mantra. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know that I could do Survivor. I love watching it. I love the strategy and the survival part of it, but man, the not eating part. I don't know. I, I would know. be so hangry. I couldn't even deal with anybody. <laughs> I, I just am very impressed. Yeah. At those people that last that long on such little food. I agree. I agree. This one's a little bit more thought provoking, but if you were president for a day and you didn't have to worry about Congress, you could just kind of wave a wand and get after something to fix. What would you, what would you look to fix or support or improve? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have anything really specific for that. I love the question, but it would be something along the lines of, you know, e equality for women. So I know we've made progress, but there's still so much more to do, um, you know, with equal pay and, you know, e equal opportunities. Um, it's um, kind of amazing how long it takes to really drive change I mean, in most things, but in, in this in this area um so yeah just keep I, I know what i watched the u.s open this year they were celebrating 50 years since title nine um and billy jean king was there too and she was you know really kind of leading on that and just seeing you know equal pay for those athletes it really struck a chord with me so yeah just just continued advancement along that that, that line i mean it makes me think of which we didn't get to discuss too much but you know, how we created a senior level leader women's group at BP. And one of the big mantras of that group, which still today we all support each other is, is support each other. So when we're not in the room and somebody's just looking to say, oh, it's because it's a woman or it's because of, and they're making an excuse that's very stereotypical support, like, you know, and, and that has been, I mean, we saw just the act of advocating for other women and being positive instead of saying, nope, I had to go through this. You're going to have to go through it just like I did, you know, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, Beth, that, that group, um, was so meaningful to me. So when I talked about that, 
you know, the time in my career when I was able to work with the executive coach, it was that same time that several of us, you know, female leaders in our business got together and said, you know, we, you know, we're, we're here, we're trying to advance our careers and just, you know, it was just a fact. It, it was definitely, you know, trading business, male dominated environment. And, and we just, Sorry, you paused right there. You said, and you just, so, and it works, right? To your point. Just and, it, and it worked, it worked. You know, we were able to come together and coach each other, support each other, give each other feedback. Um, it was a really unique experience. And um, yeah, we're all, we're still in touch and friends today. And our group got back together, you know, a year ago. And so those kinds of, those kinds of relationships, I think are, you know, what, what makes it work. But yeah, having women together, coming together to really advocate for each other and for and for diversity is still a lot more to do, as we know. Agree, agree. I got one more for you before uh, before we let you go. Um, is there a piece of advice that you've been given that you tend to give others, or something that's been really impactful and significant for you? Sure. And it probably resonates with some of what I've been talking about, but it's, um, you don't get what you don't ask for. Um, you know, it's, it's just pretty simple and true. And I, I coach people a lot that you have to speak up and ask for what you want. Um, and you, you can't assume that people are just noticing what you're doing <laughs> and how well you're doing it. You know, if you want that job, you want that promotion, you want more money, you have to ask. You have to, you have to think about it. You have to prepare. You have to bring a case. You have to ask. So that's, uh, that's, that's a lot of, I, I give that coaching a lot and, and, and a surprising number of people, you know, don't haven't asked <laughs> and they think, oh, well, okay, I, I'm going to do that now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you gotta, gotta push. And, it's, um, I have found a lot of times the things that I wanted to ask for, and I you know, would really, you know, sweat about it and worry. Most of the time, the answer has been yes. I've, <laughs> I've asked for more money. I've asked to work part time. I've asked for the job that I want. Um, most of the time, it's been yes. And so there you go. Uh, so then I think, oh, I'm not asking for enough. <laughs> I need to push harder. I need to keep pushing until I get told no. And then I know I've found the edge. I mean, really. <laughs> do you have boys or girls in your family? We have three boys and a girl. So they are ages, where do we now? 18 to 25. So I, I mean, there, there's not better advice for for them. You know, what yeah. the all those ages is is hearing that advice you, you, you don't get what you don't ask for so no so, doubt so no doubt going through college and you know first jobs and navigating you know life and their careers it's really fun it's a really fun time very cool yeah. i love that well nikki thank you so much i mean this again i obviously cherish our friendship and i love that you agreed to be on this podcast it was amazing. I'm inspired by you often. I use a lot of your stories of how you've just been a leader by example when I'm trying to help develop and coach others to give them something tangible to hold on to. It's often stories that I've witnessed that you just did naturally. And so I'm just so uh, grateful that you were willing to uh, spend time with us and give us a little bit of your wisdom today. So thank you so much. 
Thank you so much. And the feel feeling is mutual. Beth is the uh, best HR leader I've ever worked with and very good friend, very dear friend. So thank you so much. And thank you, Matt. This conversation has been great. Really enjoyed it. You were, you were great, Nikki. We really appreciate it. And uh, we will we'll, we'll be cheering for you in all thank your you. races. Thank you guys and, too. And Thanks for what you're doing here. Really, really love what you guys are doing with podcasts and bringing these stories out. Well, so. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good day. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Well, Matt, what'd you think? Another superstar. You know, it's it, we, she talked about, we talked a lot about finding the right team and and how you how you deal with those individuals and and transitions and adapting and she's just the type of person you want in any leadership group for how she looks at the world how she attacks it but she does it with kindness she does it with thoughtfulness she does it with humility yeah that she's raised great kids you know and boldness too to you i mean she always had this like and it could be because she was an athlete it could just be just her natural innate makeup um, it could be her adventurous style, but she's always been methodical, usually in thinking through her ask, but then ask, you know, yeah. um, I don't know. She's just, I, I, like I said, I've had numerous stories where I've had people that reported to her come to me and say, I've never had anyone spend as much time and invest in me the way she did. And so, you know, she's just definitely, um, super smart, um, very goal oriented, but also fun. She has yeah. a, she just has fun um, and is very, you know, again, the listening thing, I think is often an underplayed skill set that we probably need more of in yeah. the world. Yeah. So really, you know, I'm, I'm starting to see a reoccurring theme. We've had so many people on that were friends of yours that you worked with at BP, you know, BP just seems like they've done. And at some point in the beginning of their company, they set the tone of we're going to find the best people. And it, and it's, and it seems like they look for them and hunt for them and they, they know what they're looking for when they see it. And it's, it's been really impressive. Yeah. Stuff. I, I think every company has, you know, areas of improvement, but I agree with that statement. They always look for top talent. And then most often in my experience, and I know it's a large company and there are different pockets where people have had their own experiences, but really attempted to retain that top talent in, yeah. in, a, in, creative, flexible ways. And we're ahead of the game on a lot of, you know, efforts such as diversity, inclusion, aspirational goals and capability development and, um, you know, all sorts of interesting things. And it could have been the global nature of where the footprint was, you know, which, you know, can lead that, but, um, really again, yeah, great people I met. It's it's one thing. I mean, I think a lot of people are good or smart enough to say that that person knows what they're doing. They're going to help us. It's another thing to unleash them when they start with you and let them be that person they are. I think that's the big change. You know, too many organizations they'll bring in a great person and then they'll put a, you know, they'll they'll put a leash on them and say, hey, you're you're going to be like this or we're going to keep you in this tunnel. And uh, so it's 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 been good to see. People have stayed at BP, have left BP, and they continue to do great things. And, and that's exciting. I, and I know nothing about BP outside of what you and I have talked about. Right. So, but it's 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 cool to see that. Absolutely. Well, we again want to thank our listeners. Um, 
we try to have guests that you'll learn from. They inspire us and hopefully you'll be inspired by what you hear from them. Um, as always, please keep reaching out to us and you can email us at be significant, the number four, the letter U at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Apple or Spotify. And if you like the podcast, we'd love to get a rating and any feedback. Um, and, and just in general, you know, go out there, be intentional about what you're trying to do. Go out there and make a difference, make some goals, surround yourself with great people that inspire you, that challenge you, that uh, question you and, you know, support you along the way. And don't let life happen to you. Go out there and make it happen. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.